Hello there. Hi. Hello. Hello. Greg, not Pete. Greg, not Pete. How are you? <laughs> That's true. I'm borrowing uh, my boy Pete's iPad to uh, <laughs> log into the Zoom call, and so it's not Pete. I prefer my Greg to be not Pete for the rest of the episode. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. So, not Pete here. Saying hi to everybody out there. So what's up, Not Pete? Where you at? Where you at these days, man? Uh, Just on the outskirts of Chicago. Uh, I'm kind of bouncing around. I just did four gigs, like up in the uh, New England area. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, Yeah, pretty heavy. And then long travel day today, and uh, just been a little sleep deprived. And um, I, I do have one quick little story I'd like to tell you. Uh, Please. Guys about from one of the oh, shows. Yeah. So we, we got hit up before one of the, sh- the shows at a place in um, Rhode Island, right on the ocean. Uh, mm-hmm. The place is called Ocean Mist, and it's a pretty cool club. Ocean Mist? Well, venue, mm-hmm. yeah. We got hit up before the performance by the guy who was like, listen, I have this girl who, that I met a couple years ago. We live together now. One of the first things we did was go see Red Hot Chili Peppers in, mm-hmm. in the Swiss mountains. She's from, Pe- she's from Ohio. I'm from Pennsylvania. And all these, so- all these things are mentioned in Around the World. Right? Ah, so I see. So he's like, I see. And I, so he's like, I had this idea that like, when you guys play Around the World at your show, I could possibly, we could maybe like do a marriage proposal <laughs> on stage. On stage. Really? Whoa! So you we were just like, got, "All right, are you guys just gonna vamp up there, like while he's do- doing well, this?" Well, we like- worked it. We worked it all out. You know, we we have a, a singer with us right now named Dave, who is. I mean, he doesn't love to do this stuff anymore. But I actually met him in the, like the wedding band circuit in L.A. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. He's amazing. He's a, he's a ridiculously talented guy, and uh, <laughs> he can do the MC thing. I've seen him do it before. <laughs> As nice. I was like, as like, we, we'll work it out. Like, so we, we, you know, in our one of our van rides, we were like, all right. So what's going to happen here is, yeah, basically, in around the world, it gets to, it breaks down to that. At that point, we can be like, hey, you know, we we do a lot of traveling around and like kind of keep vamping, but like bring it that way down. And like, who's who? It was like, who here's from Pennsylvania? We had him queued up to be like, I am. This guy was so excited. He goes, I am, and then just jumps right on stage. We didn't even like, invite him. <laughs> he's, just, he's ready he's to like, go. Like, yeah. I am. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, okay. And uh, but then it's like, yeah. hey, have you ever been to the Swiss mountains? You know? The guy's uh-huh. like, yeah, uh, yeah, actually, I met a girl there. He's like, oh, is she here? Well, yeah. Oh, is she? Where are you from? Ohio. That's in the song, too. Oh, my God. What a coincidence. <laughs> and he like, took the mic and he did his thing. And it wasn't, it was kind of a yes. It wasn't a no. I think he was oh, really embarrassed oh, no. to be on stage. Oh, no. Oh, no. Apparently they had like they had like a venue and a date already picked out. But I think she was definitely like a little oh. awkward on stage. It's, it's not okay. like no, I'm not gonna marry you. I think it was kind of like, like we already I, did I, this. I, Why are you making me do this in front of people? Or, yeah, or maybe like <laughs> oh my god, like I, if I had known, I would have maybe worn a different outfit. I don't, oh. I don't, who knows? <laughs> yeah. you know, but um, it was it was sweet. And uh, <laughs> I'll send you guys a photo because the guy's on one knee and I'm in the background kind of like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> like, like kind of playing, playing into it. Like, oh, my God, yeah. you guys, they're getting married. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's really funny. But the point is, oh, I love it. We, did, we, we didn't ask for any like payment, but the guy was kind enough to give to gift us two really nice bottles of tequila, which we brought huh? with us back to 
where we arrived today, so we've been like sipping on that today. <laughs> all right, so, yeah, all right. That's that. Uh, so I'm we a little got three loose tequila right now, Greg but... with us tonight. Yeah. Three yeah, good tequila, Greg, not Pete. Yep. Three three bottles of tequila is more like. Hey not, Jay, oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hmm? Jay, are we gonna get into your? Are we gonna get into your uh, your trip at all? What's what? Can, we we what's can the, we yes. can man. I just got back yesterday from this awesome crazy awesome trip to a very, a very a very early happy 40th of course but it, go was, ahead. Yeah. it was it was it was you know my my birth my 40th birthday is not until next month right but uh to get the weather in you know and to give us opportunity my wife and my brother conspired to get me this awesome golf vacation to northern new jersey and man it was just freaking incredible i will say we played 75 holes of golf okay and wow. like some of the most beautiful locations i've ever been to in my life let alone play golf at mm-hmm. um i'm tired as hell <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah just from being out in the sun all day all parts of my body are very sore right now but man it was it was incredible i have no money left in my bank account northern new jersey okay. will you know they really suck it to you up there uh, you sure know? they do uh, <laughs> yeah. at the luxury resort uh, the roundabouts those are expensive you got those seven dollar yeah, bottles of water, yeah. you know. That, that we noticed you uh, didn't pay a tab there, Mr. Weissman. <laughs> <laughs> we got some uh, inconsistencies in your bill here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was fantastic, man. It was, it was, it was incredible. I awesome. played pretty well, but the great important thing was that I got to spend a lot of good time with my with my awesome brother, and um, I got to kind of rest and relax for a little while. It was great. It was fantastic. To clear your head. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You earned That's it, great. buddy. You deserve it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Speaking of earning Beautiful. it. Let's do this. Guys, I think we need to earn our pay for tonight. Let's get this show started. All right. Bye. As you wish. Hey, Nick, how was your weekend? <laughs> Lights are on. That's all I got to report. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure, that's right. Uh, this is, uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's right. This is you should check it out. This is episode 114. And Nick, how was your weekend, buddy? It was it yeah. was good. I, it was good. I've kept the lights on. We're we're, we're doing okay. We're doing fine. Good. Are the doing kids good. Are, are the kids appreciating it? Do you ever get a kid that comes up to you and says, uh, "You know what, Dad? Sure is easy to read with all this light." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's very appreciative <laughs> that the electricity's been paid. Um, no, no, we're doing, we're doing good. We're doing good. My brother came down yesterday, and we uh, we actually talked about music all day. Hey, I was talking oh, to Siri cool. this Alex. morning about 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 the topic for this evening. So beautiful. He, uh, and we had conversations about Real genres Siri. again, which he loves talking about. That. Yep. So nice, nice. We're doing man. We're doing good. Yep. Shout out I'm sorry. Right I didn't to mean Siri. to. I didn't mean to keep you out of the weekend conversation, Nick. Yeah. That, was no, my, I, that was my fault. I honestly was like, I feel like a skate. I was like, I'm good. I'm it's cool. just your yeah. life is so. F- boring i just you know I, I get sick of asking you and then you have yep. nothing to say that's really what it comes down to yeah yeah boredom. <laughs> yeah. that's the problem <laughs> <laughs> we're having a good time here uh let's Indeed. see we have fun. We have we're fun. here we with have three fun. tequila not pete hey now uh, my name is hey jay now. and i'm nick and i'm greg not pete and uh, <laughs> <laughs> super excited to have you with us here for another fantastic episode of you should check it out we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff greg's going to be talking about some stuff I'm going to be talking about some stuff, and Nick's going to be talking about some stuff. And uh, without <laughs> any further delay, Greg, why don't you get us started, buddy? Let's do this. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm just going to jump right into this one. Okay. All right. I believe this is going to be the third installment of what is a really, really fun bit here on You Should Check It Out. Oh? This is Bangers and Mashups. Let's bangers go. And mash-ups. Oh! Bangers and Mashups. Bangers and Mashups. 
Yes. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Bangers and mashups. This is where we talk about what the kids call the mashup. You when know, you t- <laughs> where, you know, a lot of times you'll have these DJs that expertly take two songs that are usually well known and almost create a new song with them. Yeah. I got a couple It's a clips. genre unto itself. It, it really is. is. And it's a skill. And um, uh, the second artist or DJ that I'll feature here today actually was recently given an accolade. So we will be discussing Avuma. that. But yeah, Avuma. But uh, let's start with these, this first clip. I couldn't tell you the, the DJ right now, but I think you'll recognize <laughs> the two songs. Let's give that one a spin. Guy does a great job. Who is that, Jay or Greg? Was that what's his name? Jay might have it more handy than I. It's do a right Bill, McClintock. Bill McClintock. Bill McClintock. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we have featured one of his songs, one of his matchups fantastic. Before, yeah, he oh, did man. like the Stevie Wonder, Eddie Valen, Eddie yes. Van Halen one. Yes, he brings yes. a real artistry to the thing. Like he really takes his time, like getting I, the vocal. Even like yeah. Reznor, he got like he sped it up in the right places. Yes. and it was, it was perfect. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You yes. Yeah. See, this, <laughs> with the hall and oats yeah hall and oats, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so yes that was i can't go for that by hall and oats and closer by nine inch nails mm-hmm. <laughs> with two songs that you would never think would fit together and then there no. you have it yep he mashes them up beautifully and as nick said you know you have to it, it, it doesn't always fit together like a puzzle i imagine you have to speed some things up slightly pitch correct them whatever and then um it, you know within all those parameters you can do a lot of different things, and these guys are able to do that and create sort of this new genre. It's this new skill set that yeah. wasn't really around until more recently. Um, I like to just keep things going. We got a long night ahead of us. Go for it. How about another? This clip is. I by don't know our, if you can top by, that. That was pretty dang good. That was a big okay. start. It big was start. a big start, and and these next two maybe will will maybe it won't be quite as much of a hit. But 
you got to hear them anyway. I, I take notes throughout the week or throughout the month or however. And whenever I spot, hear something that I know you guys, well, I assume you guys would like, I always <laughs> try to copy the link. Uh, so this is kind of a, a uh, link dump almost, if you will, on you guys. <laughs> Uh, but here's here's the next one. This is going to be by you, you DJ reach, Cumberbund. You reach critical. You reach critical link mass. Yes, the bookmark. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the bookmark yeah. folder is overflowing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't even take a picture anymore. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this here it comes DJ Cumberbund. See if you can guess these next two. Yeah, baby. Up that's just been waiting to happen, man. Gosh, that's a good. That's a good. I mean, Cummerbund. So that this guy, DJ Cummerbund, he's one of the the most popular Thanks, Oscar man. of the mashup artists, and he was actually just uh, given a VMA, a yeah. Vuma, yep. as we call it. Yep. And uh, the mit the Vumas. Yep. A, vi- a, a MTV Music Video Music Award. Right. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's, he's it's a been master, cool to man. see him have some success. He's a yeah, genius. Yeah, yeah. He's funny. So that was Nelly's Hot in Here, which, by the mm-hmm. way, is, is a sample of uh, Chuck Brown. Yeah. Um, what was the other song? Uh, yeah, yeah, Freddie Mercury, uh, The Queen. Another One Bites the Dust. Another yeah. One Bites the Dust. Whew. So there you have it. So listen, guys, I got one more clip. This one's a little bit different. It's not two, like, pop songs, but it's two things that we know. I want to know, I want to leave you guys with this clip and a question. Is this considered a mashup? Okay. okay. I thought, okay. I thought it could be included in the mashup conversation. Right. You guys might be like, hey, well, I didn't think this would count, but it's in the conversation. I like that. <laughs> uh, I think I think Jay Jay liked it. So let's let's mm. see what we got here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Come on. Come on, you that's gotta good, love right? that. It's hilarious, love but it. it's also it's hilarious in like a that's like like a 
like a travesty is hilarious. Oh, well, get yeah, off your a, high horse. It's not a well, travesty. I'm, not, I'm it's allergic funny. to horses. I keep telling you that. <laughs> it's more about like, it's a tribute to both of them yeah, in a way. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a tribute. I'm oh, like no one's claiming like oh well you know Miles did it this way and I'm gonna do it my way and that's just as valid <laughs> you know um, yeah but no oh, this God, is uh, yeah that, well that's so what right so what titled the first track off of Kind of Blue yeah uh, by Miles Davis being played I guess with the sounds used to make the Seinfeld theme song the um, or Seinfeld theme yeah. song yes those exactly. patches are actually it's like the guy sampled his voice. If, if if you go back and find um, like a little like news piece about the, yeah, create, the yeah, composer, and he, yep. and each one is actually him going like, each key, <laughs> and then he played it on the keyboard. So there you have it, guys. Little bangers wow. and mashups. Is that uh, a mashup? I, is that a ba- it's a banger for sure? That's a cover, right? I guess it's so. an interpretation. It's like an interpretation. In, yeah, interpolation. Yeah. Weren't we talking about that the other week? It's but here's an, the is it an interpolation. No, oh, that's that's a straight interpretation. I think when. When you listen back to that, I don't want to make you play it again, but you'll hear there's elements of the Seinfeld theme, not just the keyboard patches. Like, that, yeah, exactly. There's just some things that are not in uh, So What that you are hearing that are from the Seinfeld theme. Yeah. And uh, I guess, yeah. but if your, your question was, is it a mashup? So I would what do you have think? to say it's not a mashup because it's not taking two songs and putting them together. It's playing a new version of a different song but here, inspired by... It may not be a mashup, Nick, but is it a banger? It's awesome. It's, it's banging. Totally yeah, awesome. It's definitely I, a I'm, banger. I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> but listen 100%. to it again because it's not just So What being played with the Seinfeld tones. Like, there's, you'll hear, like... There's the, de- ba, 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 ba. Yeah. But there's like the, definitely da, 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 da. elements of the Seinfeld theme, not, not just uh, of, of uh, So What. But anyway... It's, it's it's a good it's a fun conversation. Totally enjoyable, nonetheless. And, and, yeah. yeah, of course. Oh, well, duh, of course. It's amazing. Come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, that's stung. all I got for you guys. <laughs> Three tequila, not Pete is out. He's <laughs> done his part. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm out. Uh, just don't. Yeah, I, he's snoring. Uh, there he goes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. That was awesome. I just want to talk about Drake. Can we talk about? No, I'm just kidding. No. God, Wait, what? no Drake. <laughs> I was about to say we almost got through this next episode without mentioning Drake, but that seal has okay. been broken now. Thank you very much. You're Nick. welcome. I'm batting three for three. <laughs> Jay Rome, what are we talking about, buddy? Hey, well, you know, I was just thinking Greg led off with a really fun, high-spirited segment there, and so I thought I would just follow that up with just a very nerdy, um, you know, guitar and technology-related piece. Like you just do. To, just to slow things down. Just, to, just That's to perfect. Yeah, we got we to gotta serve all the audiences. Oh, excellent, excellent. All right. Well, in the meantime, before I get to that, I would like to play some music. I assume you're familiar with the band Fleetwood Mac. Who? Yeah. Mick Fleetwood, the drummer, yep. Okay, mm-hmm. so Fleetwood Mac, huge band, of course. I think by this point, most people know that in the, 60, in the early 60s, before they hired Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, they were basically just a blues band. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Uh, yep. Have you guys ever listened to the album Mr. Wonderful? By Fleetwood Mac. I listened to this two weekends ago. Really? Because I had a conversation with my my brother's uh, father-in-law, who saw Fleetwood Mac open for for Loggins and Messina in 1969. Wow! <laughs> wow. Whoa. And it was, wow. and I think it was on that tour, possibly, because I remember I pulled that album up and I and I hit play on it, and we kind of had it play in the background. But 
I didn't give it a close listen, so I want to hear this. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing that you say that because that's like, it's two bands that became famous for completely different sounds than what they yeah. would have been in 1969. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, totally. So anyway, I, I knew that, you know, Peter Green, before he passed, unfortunately, was, you know, the leader of Fleetwood Mac and, you know, just basically turned them into this very hardcore blues band. I'd never listened to this album, Mr. Wonderful. It came up on my Spotify shuffle. Thank you, Spotify. And uh, I was just really taken aback by how bluesy it was. And it just sounds like an old chess Elmore James record. It's really fantastic. Mm -hmm. This song is mm -hmm. called Need mm -hmm. Your Love Tonight. Check this out. Fleetwood Mac from 1969. That's uh, Need Your Love Tonight off of Mr. Wonderful. And gosh, it's just just so cool. They apparently recorded that, of course, all live in a studio, you know, just a couple mics. And they actually recorded the vocals through a, a PA system. So that's why they sound all distorted wow. and muddy and like, wow. like yeah. old chess records recording. It's just Very crazy. Mm -hmm. Cool yeah, stuff. So stuff. to shift gears slightly, uh, came up, it's been in the news a lot lately that Mr. Les Paul's, his what he calls his number one gold top prototype Les Paul guitar is going to be coming up for auction at Christie's Auction House this week. I think it wow. might be done by the time this uh, episode goes to air. It's expected to, to fetch in the range of $100,000 to $150,000. So if you got, you know, some spare cash laying around, you know, you want to get... Uh, the very first Les Paul that was ever out there. Yeah. Um, you know, y your opportunity is, well, it might be passed by now. But sorry about that. So yeah. who's, who is, who is, sell is uh, I feel bad. Is Les Paul, he's not alive still, right? Uh, Les Paul no. passed away back in 2007 or 2008, okay. something like that. Okay, right. In, yeah, in that range. Right. But it's a crazy story. Uh, I, I know about this guitar, but once I kind of heard about this auction going up, I kind of did some research and it's it's a crazy story. You guys know about Les Paul, the musician. I mean, he is a he was a great mm -hmm. jazz musician, kind of in the style of uh, Django Reinhardt. In addition to being a great guitar player and uh, you know a hit maker and a songwriter, he was also an incredible inventor and just a yeah. uh, you know just a renowned tinkerer. Um, mm -hmm. Back when he was 
really young and he was just out busking and like playing acoustic guitar and stuff like that, he realized that his acoustic guitar couldn't be heard over the PA and the mic vocals and stuff like that. So he mm-hmm. actually took his mom's phonograph needle and just stuck it into the top of his acoustic guitar and played it and played it like that and did some very rudimentary amplifying. And like from that point, he just kind of wanted to expand on that idea and make an electric, an electric guitar that could be used in a loud setting. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, electric guitars were kind of around from the early 40s, mid 40s, but always in a hollow body format. Mm-hmm. So like Gibson mm-hmm. had like the ES175, um, the ES140 that were large, like big jazz, you know, arch top guitars that were loud enough that you could he- you could play them without plugging them in, but if you were on stage you could plug them in. So they were. So, Can I ask a question? Oh sure, sure. Uh, were they were were they were they amplifying that hollow, resonant sound, or was there were there pickups? No, at that no, point there was a this? pickup. Yeah. yeah, it was a pickup. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Rudimentary yeah. pickups, and they were prone yeah, to which, feedback. You couldn't really turn them up that yeah. loud, and they had really a kind well, of a very mellow sound. Go ahead. And one 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 anecdote I remember hearing about him is uh, when he was a kid that he had these train tracks near him, and he put his ear on the track. Mm-hmm. And he could hear the train that was like super far away, and he's like, "Oh, like the sound is transmitting through the metal." Yeah, yeah. And and he, I think that you it know, he's, he, yeah. he he he's, he's spoken of that as a uh, well to yeah, add on to that story, Greg. Is he actually took yeah. that that train that the tr- part of the train track? He found a part of the train track, put it in his wagon, took it back home, and put like basically strung a string across it. And fashioned a very rudimentary pickup. This is when he's like 15 or 16 years old. Right, and fashioned wow. a very rudimentary pickup and was able to like demonstrate that you can amplify it basically anything. And that's what gave him the idea for a solid body guitar. Yeah. Right? So he was a working musician who wanted an instrument that he could play loud on stage. And basically that was his, it was like this 30 year quest um, to make a produce a prototype solo body guitar and sell it to somebody um, to make. And his idea was, his favorite guitar company at the time was Gibson. Mm -hmm. And so starting in like 1941, it was the first time he approached Gibson to make a solid body guitar. Gibson weren't interested at all. He had like this basic prototype he called the Log. I don't know if you ever heard about this one, Craig, but Mm -hmm. he basically found like a a two by four and like attached an acoustic guitar neck to it. And had a like attached. He wound his own pickup and made you know his first solid body guitar. And he took it to a show and he played it. And he said that it sounded great, but no one really responded to it because they didn't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he went to a guitar shop and bought like a the cheapest Epiphone archtop guitar that he could find. Cut it, cut the wings of it off, and attached it to the sides of this two by four. And you can find mm-hmm. this if you search for the log guitar. Yeah. It's just like, it's literally two sides of a hollow body guitar attached to a log, to a piece of two by four. And that's what he played. He took that out. And then people said, oh, that's a guitar. It sounds cool. And then and they knew what it was. They yeah. knew what it was, right? But he knew that the sound wasn't being produced by those two wings that he attached to the side of this two by four. He knew that, you know, he could make a solid body guitar without and eliminate all the feedback and stuff like that. So he mm-hmm. kept, he kept working on this. He kept talking to Gibson. Gibson didn't really get the picture that a solid body guitar could, electric guitar could be profitable or worth making until Fender beat them to the punch and started making the Esquire and the Broadcaster, which became the Telecaster 
1949 mm-hmm. and 1950. And once they became mass-produced and popular, then Gibson was like, oh, maybe Whoops. we should listen to this guy, this kid who keeps coming in here and like trying to give us these signs, right? So we're, we're getting yep. around to the story here. Um, no, you're good. <laughs> I'm looking at this log. So this is around 1951. Gibson says, hey, you remember that kid who kept coming in here with these prototype designs? Let's try to make that. They ended up making a couple prototype Les Paul signature guitars, and they would send them to Les, and he would say, no, I don't like this, I don't like that, blah, 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 and went back and forth. Then finally in 19, I think it was 1951 was, was the year, they sent him the first prototype that he was satisfied with, and that is the guitar that's coming up for auction. And that's the guitar that Les Paul was like, oh, yes, okay, I'm fine with putting you putting my name on it. You go ahead. And then in 1952, Les Gibson introduced the Les Paul electric guitar into the world. So wow. that's an interesting enough story. But why this particular guitar is so cool in my mind is like, so Les Paul went through this 30-year journey to get Gibson to make a guitar that had his name on it. He was mm-hmm. still unsatisfied with it. So this number one guitar, he continued to modify and make changes to like throughout the rest oh, of his life. Okay. He continued yeah. to play it as like his number one instrument throughout the rest right. of his life, but he was unsatisfied. So he routed out the body so he could put his own special pickups in it because he didn't like the pickups that Gibson gave him. So he put his own pickups in it and he, he made this special routing system where he could put them wherever he wanted. And then, of course, since he dug a hole in the body, he had to make himself a new pickup or a pickguard mm-hmm. cover, which he mm-hmm. did using a hot screwdriver like in his basement, like just to cut the plastic out to, to fit the thing. He wanted low impedance output so that he could plug it directly into a mixing board. Uh, let's see, he fitted a vibrato bridge to it so he could you know, mm-hmm. do like a Stratocaster type vibrato mm-hmm. system. He made his own pickups that he could put in that he liked better, um, his own control system. So by the, you know, by the time you see this guitar now, it's just, it looks Nothing like close a hunk what, of junk yeah. that somebody's been like working on in his basement for 50 years, which is exactly what right. it is. Right. So I, it's just a freaking cool story of just a guy that I really like. Yeah. Just a tinkerer, like just a, a serial yeah. tinkerer, yeah. man. And a great guitar player in his own right. So, yeah, absolutely. Just to give you an idea, if you haven't heard of what Les Paul is all about, he's, oh, by the way, he also invented multi track recording. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's kind of a big deal, too. <laughs> a little bit. So he and uh, he and his then wife, Mary Ford, had a string of hits throughout the 40s and 50s uh, doing jazz standards and stuff like that. And they would multi-track Mary's vocals so she could do harmonies with herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this track that you're going to hear, Les Paul, there's like six tracks of Les Paul playing uh, the number one Les Paul, uh, the one that's okay. coming up for auction, him harmonizing with himself. He's a great player. It, it was fantastically inventive stuff at the time, and it still sounds fresh today. So check it out. This is uh, How High the Moon, Les Paul and Mary Ford. Somewhere there's Shine if you would come to me soon. 
clean multi-track sound. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> That's really, I mean, I we bounced some sh some garbage <laughs> just about just about 30 years ago, didn't we, Jay? <laughs> uh, yeah, or seriously. 25, yeah. Yeah, it, that definitely Oof. blows away anything that we did on our old Yamaha 4-track, that's uh, for sure. Yeah, that, yeah. But that oh, was man. his thing. It would, instead of, you know, what the Les Paul is famous for today, you know, that really heavy, distorted sound, the stuff that guys like Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page made famous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He wasn't about that at all. You know, he famously disliked yeah. the humbuckers that would eventually be put in Les Paul guitars. Mm -hmm. Um, he liked sound. that really clean, punchy, sustained sound like you heard there, and it's just like nothing else, man. Cool guy. Beautiful. I've, I've awesome. brought it up. I've brought it up on the show before, but by the way, that tune, "How High the Moon," uh, it's an old jazz standard, mm -hmm. clearly. Mm -hmm. And uh, Charlie Parker, he he took the changes and uh, he kept the changes, the chord changes, but put another melody on top and called it ornithology. Right, right. Which is like right. the study of birds, how high the moon. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then yep. Col Coltrane has one called Satellite. That's right. And that's him taking how high the moon and Even doing further. the Coltrane changes that I told you about a couple episodes back where he took where he takes the scenic route. Yeah. yeah. So a bunch of sure. changes in between. Yeah. Yeah, but it's still based around how high the moon. It's called Satellite. <laughs> nice. I, satellite. I love that. I love that. that I love that creative... Like taking mm -hmm. a standard and renaming it something that's in this, yeah, that's so that's so it literally cool. is like next level. It's like, oh, hi, hi, the moon. Well, yeah, satellite, you know, it's like even further. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, there you have it. Cool stuff. That's all I got. I just want to let you guys know if you're interested in a piece of history hunting, you got a, you know, cool $100,000 laying around. Could be yours. I was going to say, speaking of tinkerers, man, you, you do some work on guitars, to be honest. Well, thank, thank you. I, I, in honored to be mentioned in the same breath as Les Paul. I don't do that, but I, I, I find him to be. I know, a but I've known plenty of like guys that are like, "Hey, Jay, can you please look at this thing for me?" And you're like, "Yeah, man." I have to <laughs> well, I, I love it. I, I, that's one of the parts about electric guitars that I love the most is that it's simple enough technology that I understand it enough to be yeah. dangerous, and I'm not afraid yeah. to like rip shit apart. Yeah. You know, when yeah. I had my Stratocaster, yeah. my first Stratocaster that I bought with my mom when I was. 15 years old uh when i was 18 i took a belt sander to the top of it because i didn't like the color of it you know yep. i just unafraid to do that for whatever reason so i i find yeah. les paul to be a kindred spirit in that in that regard i can imagine i can imagine so that's nice. awesome well mr klein hey what let's can we help to, uh, you with let's listen, to what, let's listen to some music real quick i love that new album just dropped um never heard of these guys uh bad bad not good oh mm. dude it's so it's so ironic because they were on my list of stuff to play for you guys Nice. Um, okay. Yeah, some older stuff. But please, yeah, hit me with the new stuff. So I don't this, know is, this, this yet. new album just dropped. I don't know if it's consistent with their previous stuff. Um, I read a little bit about them, but I, I really like this. This is from um, this is from their latest album. This is the first track. It's called "Signal from the Noise." Can we listen to a little bit of that?
pretty awesome. Yeah. Tell me about these yeah, guys. guys I don't. Cool. I don't really know anything about them. Greg, you want to? I mean, I, from what I understand, from what the brief the bit that I read, it's they've got a lot of different guest artists. They've done a lot of work with like Kendrick. I think Terrace Martin, um, who has been featured, I think he was he did alto for most of To Pimple Butterfly, is on this album a lot. I just kept getting yeah, like Terrence a Mahavishnu yeah. vibe from it, and I just thought that was pretty sweet. They were like uh, some guys out of Toronto. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like uh, jazz students, and they think they did a remix of a Tyler the Creator song, mm-hmm. and then they get, they kind of blew up from that. I, I like their stuff. There's one song of theirs in particular that may, I'll play it in a, in a future episode. And I, I was listening to it this week and I was like, oh, I should play this on the podcast because they've never come up. And I didn't know if you guys had ever heard of them or not before. So when I saw in our topics thread uh, that you were going to say Bad Bad Night, I was like, what? <laughs> you, so you somehow like beat me to the punch like telekinetically, but Sorry, bro. it's all good. It, it, no, no, no. It's, all, it's good because I just kind of, I was going to bring it up anyway. So there you cool. have it. I, uh, I can't wait to hear that song because I really enjoyed this album. Is it all instrumental? Yes, this nice. album. Oh, I'm definitely going to listen to that tomorrow. Yeah, I, all, I actually it, had it on my work today. It was great. So. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for playing that. Heck yeah. Okay, so um, so last week, guys, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did a rare. I took a rare step, and I, I kind of I found this old band, this album <laughs> that I liked, and, I, and then I went and looked up the Pitchfork review because I loved this album, and I just wanted to see what they had said, and they tore into it like Pitch, unfair. Pitchfork I mean, let you really, down. We really, we really laid into, all of us laid into him last week, which oh. felt great. Yeah. Um, and, they, they were really and then, lacing into me. Lacing ah, into yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. No, you're good, you're good, you're good. I'm, yeah, the goat's got to be here sometime. Uh, the, uh, so I, I was shocked. Uh, maybe I wasn't shocked. Maybe they're listening. Pitchfork, thank well, you. That's what I was thinking is that this, this whole article that you're about to mention has just got to be because they're listening to our podcast. You know, Responding. I wouldn't put it past their th- their skin no. being that thin, but I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. No question. I, I, so thank you, Greg. Pitchfork, I think it's a podcast. Pitchfork, and it's uh, I guess in its twenty fifth anniversary, um, uh, has decided some introspection, some growth, <laughs> some maturity might be in order. Um, not something you usually reach for until you're about thirty, but you know what? Good, good. Twenty-five. This is good. Good on them. They've released. They've released a uh, a, a, a quite a quite a decent sized list uh, called Pitchfork Reviews hmm. Rescored. 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 Yes. Does that mean they, they are looking back and deciding that maybe they were incorrect in some of their initial assessments? Well, they say he, we've thought about it, and hmm. here's 19 album reviews that we would change if we could. <laughs> So, <laughs> so there you go, right? Um, and but doesn't th- doesn't this completely devalue any pitchfork review? <laughs> That's what I was about. You know what? You know what? To know that yeah. they could just change their mind later. I, I wanted to get into this, Greg, like after we had talked about a couple of them, but it, it just kind kind of completely validates everything, every criticism that we've had about them, and it's coming from themselves now. So uh, like it's. I don't it know is, how you can put um, any value in anything that they do from here on out. Here's what. Here's why. Well, here's what I would say in that regard, because uh, they even address that. I think at some point it, it's kind of funny because it's like some of these albums, and we'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna list off all of them. We're gonna get we're gonna okay. go through. We're gonna say where they what score they gave it, where they ended up, and if, if you guys have comments about it, you, you can pipe in. Right. Um, basically, what they said is, hey, some of these albums we that we really panned, they turn out to be they turned out to be uh, classics. Huh. And uh, really important. Interesting. Uh, oops. Oops. Um, 
the 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 funny thing is that no, th their point is like no, that that's actually all we're doing is saying whether we think it is or not. And of course, we're never going to always be right. Um, um, <laughs> Which is exactly what Greg was but just saying. There is so there's so it's 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 I I honestly I was like I was so shocked to read this because there there even there's like a line it's like but then sometimes our feelings change our precious fickle little feelings like that's like the. <laughs> It's like, Goodness. oh, you really, you really, uh, yeah, you really, you really looked in the mirror all of a sudden, guys. Yep. What the hell's going on over there? All right. Well, they don't, um, want, to get they don't want to get canceled. <laughs> I guess so. I guess they're realizing so. they're well, being, they're realizing they're being bullies. It's, exactly. um, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Also, just that after 25 years, there's some very glaring misses. That's, that, that could be true, too. Yeah. Well, when you might as well, they might as well own rather than pretend like they don't. When you take controversial stands you stands, know some, yeah. yeah yeah but i mean that's the art that is to be a critic right your your whole point is to is to half the time i feel like they're just trying to get a rise out of people that's um, not your point as a critic that that could be pitchfork's point but as a okay, music critic in my Jay, mind what critics what critics are known and and those critics are the ones those individuals whose name it is that they're trying to get made more known Listen, will I understand. intentionally provoke people because that's how they get audiences. I they, get, they write a review that, that gets readers. I understand that the media's role is to get views. And that the way the critics do that is to create Discussion. controversial reviews. You know, yeah. I don't think yeah. that that, I think that people can do better than that, personally. I, I don't disagree. I'm just saying... It's it is it's baked into the uh, it's baked into the uh, economics of it all. Okay. If you get more readers by pissing a bunch of people off. I mean, what you've just said yeah. is that Pitchfork is essentially the you know like the media equivalent of like a Tucker Carlson or somebody someday like that. I don't just think that that's what I'm saying at all. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think that's what I'm saying at all. Okay. I, I, I genuinely do not. I all right. Well, let's, do not. let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay. What's what are the examples that they cite here? So let's let's start with the the first one uh, they have here. They have. Uh, you guys familiar with Rilo Kiley? Sure. It's a Jenny Lewis's uh, band? Yeah. So they had an album I'm in 2001 not. called Takeoffs and Landings. Pitchfork at the time gave this album a 4.0. They have, they have rescored that album to an 8.0. And they're saying, and here's how they open it. Rilo Kiley's Takeoff and Landings is now seen as an undeniable classic, but our review which was written as a screenplay, was more concerned with the band's recent feature on Dawson's Creek than the actual songwriting. There you go. Like they're, no, you they're can just owning stop it. right there. They're owning it. They're o I mean, I can. They're owning it. And then they go on to say, like, yeah, there's actually some really good stuff that's going on here, and it's very self-aware, and, and it's beautiful, and da 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 But we were too busy um, being jerks at the time. We were to, annoyed to... because the, she was because they were on Dawson's <laughs> Creek, and we thought that was BS, and we were still teenagers, so we lit them up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that they good. go overboard in their rescore too. Like they can't just go to like yeah. four to like seven. No, they gotta Guys, go to like. I'm, yeah. I am strongly yeah, considering. Score. Yeah. I am strongly <laughs> considering taking some money and 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 throwing it at like some like some uh, some like AI processing of their reviews because I, I there there is some like there's some funny stuff going on here like the way that they. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm gonna, I'll get into that at some other point if I Please. actually end up doing that project. Um, next up, PJ Harvey. Uh huh. This is Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea from 2000. Okay. Uh, they gave it a 5.4. Mm. They bumped this up to an 8.4. Okay. 
Uh, I don't know this album. Do you guys know this album? It doesn't. I, I don't. Do. I don't. Okay. So basically, th their point was at the time, glossy arena rock sucked. Now it's okay. And maybe this helped make it okay. So we missed that, but they were pissed off about it at the time. <laughs> Next up, Jay. This yeah. is for you, my friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is Wilco. Wilco Sky Blue Sky. Have you heard this album? Oh, my God. From 2007. Like, it's, I, it's my favorite Wilco album. I, I <clears throat> When I was talking to you guys about this earlier, I almost said, well, mm -hmm. it's like one of my top three Wilco albums, but that's only because I wanted to sound cool and like I really like Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. I, don't, I love I that. Don't, that's my favorite. It's a great album, but I don't like it as much as Sky Blue Sky. Really? And I'll tell you why, because Sky Blue Sky, I listened to it when I was working for the National Park Service and I was up in Alaska and I would walk, oh. walk to the job site at seven o'clock in the morning and it was pitch black dark because, you know, it was... Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the time zones are all Alaska. up there. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just, I would listen to that album every single morning and it's just baked in my memory and I love it so much. Yeah. Isn't it wonderful when you've got like that association with a location? Like oh, the yeah. album has that, oh yeah. God, that's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. I, I, so beautiful. I, I could tell you the one, one, one time I put that record on, I, you, know, you know, it's like, get this man off the ox. You, you, do you know that? You familiar uh -huh. with that saying? Yeah. It's like, you know, like some, someone's got the cable in the car, like, yo, get off, uh -huh. get off the ox, you know? Yeah. But I, I got on the ox uh, during a tour with <laughs> Funk Arc and we'd had like a rough night the night before and mm -hmm. everyone was kind of like grumpy in the van a little bit. You know, nothing bad, but just everyone was kind of fried. Yeah, moods were just like it was, it was another long drive, you know? And I, yep. and I was like, yep. what should I put on? And I was like, oh, I'll put on Sky Blue Sky. Bam, bam, da, 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 mm -hmm. Maybe the sun will shine ah. today. And everyone in the van let out this sigh of relief. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, oh. You know what I mean? And it was, I was like, yeah. no, that was a good call. <laughs> it's <laughs> so good. I right can't on. believe they gave them a 5.2 yeah. yeah. when it came but out. But it's still, but Yankee Hotel Foxtrot still kicks that record. All right. So, That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is it's a, a phenomenal they're both, they're, Okay, they're but both, can we all agree really the Sky Blue Sky is worth more than 5.2? Hell Obviously. yes, it okay. is. Yes. <laughs> it is worth now. No, it's not, because they get, they say this isn't canon, but they would now score this as an 8.5. I forgot that. I forgot. <laughs> they made the, that comment at the very top paragraph it's of this canon. article. It's like, none well, of this actually changes what we actually did. This is not canon. This is just Jay, like a review. You and I both know the hipsters that would need that clarification. Yes, Like, we yes. both know. Of course. We both know that that's... Because all they would get is emails. People's like, is out there on the line, man. Would you correct the review page's score? You have clearly rescored this, and it needs to be reflected on the review page. Oh, oh my God. I love this so much. I love this so much. <laughs> and they basically just said that, that um, yeah, it's now an essential album, um, and, and that they didn't appreciate... That they basically... They didn't appreciate at the time, because they were young and stupid, that to be great art, you didn't have to have torture tragedy, tragedy and like visionary collaborations. Like it's okay <laughs> to be okay, like happy with your family and write an album. Um, which, yeah. thanks for growing up a little bit there, Pitchfork. Good. Thank you, Pitchfork. Next up, I know nothing about this album, unfortunately. Chief Keef? No. Back from the mm -hmm. Dead? Can't say nothing. Okay. Skip it. This album was a 7-9. Uh. They moved it up to a 9-1. 9-1, uh, all right. I, I don't, yeah. The cool thing, honestly, about this is there's definitely some albums that I'm going to listen to because I, I some of these I haven't right. heard. Next one, uh, a big jump, Jeffrey Lewis. It's the ones who've cracked that light shines through. This is one I want to check out. Yeah. Um, they're basically the before I read the score and what it, what it becomes. Said in an era of folk expansionism and arcade fire bombast, 
Jeffrey Lewis fell under the moniker of anti-folk and that basically his ideas were like too nice and they didn't, they basically just kind of panned it as like just happy-go-lucky garbage. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one fascinates me. I don't know this album at all, but I definitely want to check it out because I, do too. I remember that era of arcade fire, fire bombast and folk expansionism, yeah. you know, and Connor, Connor Oberst like ruling the world. Yeah. In that in that age, and I'm uh, fascinated that they didn't think that this guy matched up to that. So I'm really interested to hear what this sounds like. Yeah, me too. Uh, they they it, they gave it at the time a 3.9, right? <sighs> so that's kind of like on the everything everything scale. Mm-hmm. And they would now rescore that as a seven six. Okay. Which it's mm-hmm. a that's a big jump. That's a big jump. Yeah. Um, I see. What about chairlift? Anybody heard of, heard of chairlift? I have not. I haven't either. No. They uh, they had an album in 2016 called Moth. They, this one I don't even know, I don't know why I even put this in. I don't know why they put this in here. They had they gave it a it was a seven six at the time, and they re- Greg are you still there? Yeah. They rescored it to an eight point five. It just must have been. They bumped so, this up. There must have been 9. a very long Reddit thread about this album or something like that. You know. That they felt I, they had I wonder to if this to. is the reason they did this whole stupid thing because like there was such freaking vit, like controversy and arguing about something this a 0.9 increase to 8. Point f- I don't know whatever whatever next up I, I love this album right Prince's musicology yes yes musicology okay. from 2004 great album it's phenomenal album it's, <laughs> it's, it's great uh, they had given it a 58 at the time they bumped it up to a 78 basically, Basically, like, yeah, at the time it was cool to not like Prince, and we were wrong, is what it comes down to. <laughs> and, and, and then he died. And then he died. Now, <laughs> and now it's really, dead. Dead. Now it's really cool to like Prince. Here's an interesting one, guys. Here's an interesting one. Sure. Foxygen. Foxygen, okay? Okay. Uh, we are the 21st century ambassadors of peace and magic. This was in 2013. They scored this as an 8.4. They've moved that score down to a 6.3. Ah. <laughs> Uh, because apparently, in retrospect, they were way too cocksure. <laughs> you know what? Amazing. I respect that. You know, we all make mistakes. Good on you, Pitchfork. I, I like it. I like it. There's another one right here. Grimes Misanthropocene. Anthropocene. Thank you. Grimes Misanthropocene. Uh, they'd given it an 8. Do you know this album, Jay? I do not. No. Okay. They had given Wait, it Grimes, an 8 Grimes, are, you, are they talking about Grimes? Yeah. Grimes. Yeah. Yeah, that's Elon Musk's... Uh, Wife, uh, girlfriend. Oh, is it? Oh, they just broke up. Uh, the, the one that, yeah, he had like two kids with her. Elon oh, Musk. Okay. Okay. I had no idea. Yeah. Um. So they had given it an eight two, and they're bumping that down to a six nine. Yeah, I don't care. I don't know. I'd, I, 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 I'll probably go and listen to. Most have you of ever these, checked but, out her um, music, Greg? Is there anything to be said? I never. Uh, I, I might have heard like one track once. I, I, don't, I don't. I can't claim to know it. All right. Uh, yeah, they were dating for three years. They have a one-year-old son. That that kid with like the le- it's like the crazy X, name. and then like yeah. and then like the the A and E that you see in Aeon Flux. You know? Right. A dash X I I. Yeah. That would anyway. be Elon Musk's son's name. Good. Yep. Big so boy, Sir Lucius Leftfoot, hey. the son of Chico Dusty, okay. in 2010. Um, they gave a nine-two. Wow. And they've bumped yeah. that down to a seven-seven. Okay. Oh. What I got out of this uh, revisionist history piece uh, <laughs> paragraph was they were really excited thinking that this was gonna, that he was going to like take off mm-hmm. and then he just put this out and then kind of went back and didn't didn't really do much um, and I guess they 
were over exuberant about it and in retrospect there are other I questionable mo- questionable moments that could have been that may have been charitably overlooked there you go there you go yeah jay your girl Re- lana del rey yeah lana del rey yeah born to die 2012 uh this one this one i knew exactly it's like oh everybody liked her so you guys didn't right um, yes. they had given it a five five at the time and they're like okay we're dicks we're dicks sorry seven eight <laughs> is basically what it comes down to <laughs> so stupid. oh my <laughs> gosh this one oh this, this is oh these here's are a good. twofer this here's the, a twofer yeah we have two corrections on daft punk records all right okay First i mean there's up, only like three right the degradation, yeah. The 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 uh, the the rank down, random access memories, twenty thirteen. Oh. Yeah. They they gave it an eight eight. They bumped that down to a six eight. Can I say something about that record while we're on the topic? Please do, please do. I respect Pharrell uh, mm-hmm. musically, but yeah. I do not like him as a singer. Really? And wow. he like you sings, like his like his him as a producer. I think his, like his singing voice is just like what like how is, doesn't anyone else think this sucks? Like in uh, uh, you know get lucky. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and happy. Like these are like I'm talking about like the those kinds of hits. Those like mega mm-hmm. hits. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Or like that song that's like you're beautiful. I just want mm-hmm. you to know. I cannot. I'm like that. The t- I don't like, like the his timbre? voice. I don't okay. like it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But but I'd really like but I know he's a, he's a legit producer and mm-hmm. he's cool and he's got a lot of good ideas. It's just amazing to me that he got uh he has all these hits where he's singing and, it, and it, I just don't like the sound of his voice. But that's so here's what here's Sorry. what I think's happened here with Daft Punk. I think okay, so the other correction they have. And this one's this one's a, a, the biggest jump I think. Uh Discovery from 2001. Yeah. They gave that at the time. One more time. Uh, and let me, let me actually read. Let me read this. Uh, this review is often quoted by me at me by any person who's ever cornered me at a party for a diatribe about the futility of music criticism. <laughs> I don't disagree. If scores are meant to indicate a work's longevity or impact, the original view review is completely invalidated by the historical record. Daft Punk's second album, Discovery, is the centerpiece of their career, an album that transcends the robot's club roots and rippled through the decades that followed. Amending the score error is all too easy. It went from a 6-4 to a 10. Okay. I mean, so here's, what the, he's, here's he's... the thing. Here's the thing. No, I love that line, though. Music, The diatribe about the futility of music criticism. This is you, Jay. This is you cornering this dude in the, in the thing. He's oh, like, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. You're right. It doesn't matter what we say because it's what happens to the music and whether or not the music stands on its own that matters. 100%, right? Yeah, yeah, but isn't that the yeah, yeah. music critic's job to like be the vanguard of like what is going to be popular or used for now? You want them to be to know the future? Nobody knows the future. Beings. But right. if you're calling yourself a music critic, like you need to be able to have enough context about other records to see kind of see like how this is going to sit. It, you might not know, but it's that arrogance that gets you in trouble. Yeah, the arrogance that you absolutely. think you know. Yeah, yeah. That's and it's, why I'm it's not the a tug music and pull critic. Of the, I know it's the tug and pull between the two that makes it fun to read. Um, I think I think what they realized is we totally missed the totally missed the ball yes. on discovery, yeah. and we overcompensated for random access memories. So let's go ahead and bump them both accordingly. I think you got it. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you another one of these. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. This one I was very excited to see. Interpol, turn on the bright lights. 
from 2002. Wow, yes. Uh-huh. This feels like a really good correction to me. I'm so glad for this correction. They had given it a, a 9.5 at the time, which is like, what are you talking about? This is, uh-huh. and they bumped it down to a 7, which I still think is too high. They were so but, huge at the time, <laughs> and there was nothing else on the f***ing planet going on other than the strokes oh, in 2002. Oh, you this garbage. Yeah. And it was like, come on, it's the same freaking song every time. Yeah. Ugh. Agreed. Agreed. Just come up with some other sound. Greg, what do you think about Interpol? Um, I like that. I don't know if it's that record. What's the one that the Rosemary? Something, something, uh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I don't know. I mean, there's nothing tired. wrong with them. And they were just like, it's not a 9.5. It's just record. not a 9.5. Okay. No, the one, the one yeah. I liked was called Antics. It was the one after that. Yeah, so okay. I don't even know okay. about Turn on the Bright. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go. There you have it. All right. Here, this one's actually, I guess, from a point adjustment standpoint, this one is the, the biggest jump. Uh, Liz Fair's self titled Liz Fair from 2003. They, they, they gave this a zero. Like a 0.5? Zero point, point zero. Zero point zero. Which record? Liz Fair's self titled <laughs> oh, Liz that's Fair. Right. The oh, one with God. her, like, not naked, but like, I mean, it's a bad album. Like, it wasn't, it was her. It was her like big foray into into radio friendly pop songs. Zero point zero. Zero point zero. A zero point zero. There is really nothing that can be said here that wasn't already covered in Matt LeMay's 2019 threader, t- Twitter thread apologizing for this condescending and cringy review, <laughs> which is really all that needs to be said. <laughs> it's oh, right there. Yeah. So I'll just quote him. In 2019, it is almost conceivable that there would be any controversy around an established indie musician working on a radio-friendly pop album with radio-friendly pop songwriters. To my smug 19-year-old pitchfork writer self, cough, in 2003, it was just as inconceivable that an established indie artist would try to or want to make a radio-friendly pop album in the first place. The idea that indie rock and radio pop are both cultural constructs, languages to play with, masks for an artist to try on, yeah, I certainly did not get that, and Liz Fair did get that way before many of us did. <laughs> they took it from a zero zero to a six Wow. Well, I, good on them. Good on I, them. Right? You know, I we I think here at you should check it out. I think we do celebrate growth, you know, and people realizing when they've been wrong, and we don't want to <laughs> put so? pitchfork down for realizing that. No, but, but they there are is jerk-offs on the other. But, but there's some been. some I. There is some irony to the fact that we have been call- calling them out. Yeah, I know. And, review- it's, it's, and reviewing the reviews. And honestly, these are the reviews that sh- that got the worst review scores from, that would have gotten, hypothetically, the worst yeah, review yes. scores from, I don't know, yes. Yeah. You see what yeah, I'm going yeah. with this. <laughs> they're essentially, they're copying us is what they're doing. They're reviewing their own yeah, reviews. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then making adjustments and hoping nobody notices in the future. But it's not canon. It's not canon. It's not canon. Yeah. They're not going back and actually change. If you so click, what happens? You f- what happens if you look up one of these records on Pitchforks now? What does the first it still has the old review? Still has the old review. All right. It'll be interesting okay, to I, know if they footnote them. It'll be interesting to see if they footnote it. That I think would be that cool. would be the, at least the least they could do. The least they could do. Right. We got four more. We'll get we'll get through these pretty quick. The Strokes' "Room on Fire" two thousand three. Mm. Yeah. They went from an eight zero to a nine two. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, they basically said they were too hard on it because they were, I think, annoyed that. The strokes were so loved. Probably would be the guess that I would. That's a good record. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Another one that I was excited about. Regina Spector's "Begin to Hope." This is a great record. I can't believe they only gave that a seven point five. Yeah, and they bumped that up to a, an eight five. That um, feels right. That's a cool one. It was like I don't. I've never liked Tori Amos, but I like this lady. This is good. Yeah, um, that was a good. That album. was the way I thought about it. Yeah, uh, Charlie XCX. 
Don't know. Hmm. I don't. That may, it may be the number. It may be the stupidest thing I've said tonight. I'm not not sure. Vroom Broom EP from 2016. Four five to a seven eight. Okay. Uh, last one. I don't know this either. Knowledge, but instead of an O, it's an X. The album is HUD Dreams. Uh, seven two to an eight four. Uh, this actually is another one that I wanted to check out. Reading through like the the summary uh-huh. of it. Um, nice. Gotcha. So. Even Pitchfork is capable of some self-awareness. So let me, let me that, ask you this, Nick. After yeah. the last two weeks, yeah. I feel like you've been brought into like the realm of where I've always kind of felt about Pitchfork, like from 2003 when I first found out about them. I feel like you've, you've at least been introduced to the reasons why I hate them, and now you've even been told by Pitchfork themselves that they are idiots and they don't know what they're talking about. Do you still hold Pitchfork in as high regard as you did? Do you have an alternate indie specific, like a, a review site that kind of like leans in towards indie music? No, I check and, out Pitchfork kind of all the time seeks for that. Out. Kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that's why I go there. <laughs> I know. And honestly, every time it's I see all, a review, yeah. it's 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 with a grain of salt. Like I don't take it that if it's good that I'm going to love it. It's just there's so much music, man. You know this. We do this every week. That's we, the important. It's so much to sift through. That's the important thing, Nick. As long as you take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, then that, that's absolutely. It. Yeah, yeah. No, I, they're never. I, it, the fun thing is how much it would aggravate you. So I would easily go on the other side of it just to defend <laughs> it. But no, it's just a place to be. Like, there's too much out right now. I don't know what to listen to. Let me see what these guys think is worth is floating to the top. So, but but I've definitely missed a bunch of albums like Everything Everything because I would have probably seen that and been like, well, I'm not going to listen to that. Yeah. So. You know, so yeah, I have learned. I have learned something. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. Not just, you can't take the shit reviews and assume that it's garbage. That's the big one. That was the big takeaway for me. There you so. go. Right. Nice. Nice. Yep. Very nice. I'm, gro- I'm growing too, buddy. I'm growing too. All right. Yeah. We're all growing. Indeed. <laughs> well, three tequila not Pete is yelling at us. That must mean that he's ready to end the show and tell us. Shut up, the bumpiest. <laughs> 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 Go for it. All right, that was fun. <laughs> How do they find us if they want to, not Pete? Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> you guys places. You just, you just Google it. Just, you know yeah. what the site reviews yeah, are? Shut up. Just go just to Pitchfork. Type in. You check yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's the officer problem? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all right. Go online. You should find us. Uh, you should check it out. dot com. We're on social media on mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram, uh-huh. Twitter uh-huh. at Should Check. Uh, mm-hmm. Send us an email podcast at gmail dot com, and you can listen to are. us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and uh, leave a review and tell a friend to check it out. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, that's Whew. fun. That was that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, excellent. Wide ranging and far and far afield as always. Hey, indeed. Indeed. next week, next week, guys, we have a special segment yeah. coming up. We got a, mm-hmm. one of our famous You Should Check It Out interviews coming up, I believe. Yeah, we got a guest next week. That's right. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We'll leave yeah, it at new that. Album coming out. We'll tease it yep. like that. With that in mind, guys, keep listening. We'll see you back here next week. And until then, stay safe. Peace out. Peace. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>